here. So glad um, that we get to gather every Sunday to hear God's word and to gather with God's people who um, he is um, delighted to save us through faith, grace through faith. Amen. That's what we remember, and that's what we're giving thanks for this Thursday. I hope that, though I know this year, no doubt, is a different way <laughs> that we're all celebrating Thanksgiving, perhaps with restrictions or seeing people or maybe not seeing people that we normally do. Um, so it might be a little bit harder for some of us, and maybe that's always been the case for you, or, or it's been the case for you for quite some time. Um, the holidays come, and many of us rejoice. We eat with family and friends, but for some of us, we're missing somebody, and um, and we, we're grieving, you know. So we want to remember you, too, and just know that we express our love and thankfulness for you, and, and, and want to encourage you that in spite of your loss, in spite of your... The, the, in spite of the ways that we can grieve, um, we have a great hope, a, a great reason to rejoice. Um, as, I, as I said just in our prayer before, that Jesus Christ is alive, and all of our death and all of our suffering and sorrow will come out of the grave when he returns. And what a great hope that we have in Christ. I want to um, remind you that um, we are having a a Advent services, and I hope that you all received some postcards. Um, these basically can serve as invitations for family and for friends that you might want to invite to one of our services. Now, the, the first Sunday of Advent begins this Sunday, actually, uh, next week, rather. Um, so this next coming Sunday begins um, our Advent Servant Series, so it's week one. Um, we're, we're sort of, so you can invite your family or friends to any one of these Sundays because everyone's schedule is different, your schedules are different, so that's, that's totally fine. Um, but we are sort of pushing the 20th as the one that, you know, um, sort of our, Chris, our special Christmas service. We are having a Christmas Eve service that's a little bit more low-key and relaxed and informal, um, but that will be on four at 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve, um, and it'll just be for about 45 minutes. We'll get together, share a quick word, sing some songs, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But all that information is on this card, so I hope that you can grab some before you leave and consider um, who, that you might, who, who you might bring with you, because we want people to come to know our good Savior this Christmas, don't you? Um, I, I hope that that's, that's the outcome um, of our Advent series. Um, also, we're going to be praying for this on Tuesday night, this Tuesday night. And you should have received an email um, from me that um, gives you some information. We're going to meet in person at 7 o'clock on Tuesday night for prayer. Um, if you can't make it um, for some reason or you're just um, you're, you're trying to limit the amount of time that you're contacting people like this, it is gonna, we're going to pray the same way we're gathering now. So we're going to take those measures and precautions. Um, but we are, I did send a link to participate through, through the internet, you know, so, uh, so if you want to do that through Zoom, you can do it that way too. I hope that as many people as possible can gather with us on Tuesday night to pray, okay? And that'll be for about 45 minutes on Tuesday night. So um, we normally have it on Wednesday, our corporate prayer night, but Wednesday is the, the night before Thanksgiving, and I figured a lot of people are probably going to be making stuffing and cutting up turkeys and doing those fun things. So let's do it on Tuesday instead, okay? So I hope that you can join us and be with us for that special time. Uh, Christmas, um, Thanksgiving time, is a time um, for many of hope, uh, joy, love, connections. Um, we enjoy even picturing our world at its best. Right? Even though we know it's not, we, we sort of get a window a little bit into the world as we would like it to be. Isn't that true? Um, I know that for, for many that that's not the experience of the holidays, um, the holidays can come with some grief and some sorrow, but for, but but so often that's that's sort of the world we get invited into, 
the world as it should be. And <clears throat> like we've seen so many times in the past, however, we sort of bump into and against a hostile world. And we know that currently in our country there is division, great division, isn't that true? Neighbors and families uh, dividing over uh, the, the PPP Act. You know what that is? It's not what you think it is. <laughs> Prejudice, politics, and pandemics. All of us have a high and strong opinion on each one of them, and for some reason we feel allowed now to cancel out anyone that might disagree with our voice. Christian author Michael Snyder wrote, We live in a world ripped apart by strife, murder, moral breakdown of the highest magnitude, wars, and rumors of wars, broken homes, and on and on the list goes. He writes this years and years ago, and that seems to follow around the sad story of humankind. And now we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas, the most wonderful time of year, we call it. And in so many ways it is but for so many not so. All humanity has seen the reality of that painful day when God announced in our scripture text, when God announced to Eve and to Satan, I will put enmity between your seed and his. And ever since then, the world has been at war with itself. Since that cursed proclamation we have known dysfunction and fighting and division. Yet amidst, friends, amidst the wreckage of human suffering, there is a promise. And that promise was the very last line of that verse that we read this morning. He will crush your head. For a little while, Satan runs this world with death and division. But when Christ comes, he will crush your head. Isn't that a great promise? And that's what we look forward to. That's what, the, the, that's what all of Israel was anticipated with the coming of Christ. Friend, can I ask you a question? If you're not a Christian this morning, can I ask you, what in your life might be crushing you? What is too heavy for you to carry? What is your burden? Where's your chaos? You know, there's a promise that's made here for you. He will crush its head. In Christ, it can be crushed. And victory can be yours. The seed is going to crush the chaos. Do you believe that? Friends, all the arguing, the, the kings that are at war with each other, the presidents, the fights, who's our president, who's not our president, who do you think it is? Ooh, don't even answer that one, right? And the, hey, let's fight about it. And at the end of the day, King Jesus is president, and he is coming to take this earth back, which is his. It's not anyone else's. Amen. You see, friends, that's our hope. That's what we look forward to. The seed is going to crush the chaos. It's going to crush the chaos of your divorce, maybe, that you're going through, the child that you lost, the husband that you lost. He's going to crush that grief and sorrow, and he's going to resurrect your broken heart to make you live with him in eternal joy. And he's going to dry your tears. In Christ, that's the promise. Amen? So this morning we're going to begin our Advent series with a, a prelude sermon. It's not Advent today, but I want to introduce to you what we are so thankful for as a church. The four Sundays of Advent starting next week 
um, and they include Christmas Eve, so five services in all. We're going to focus in on the most important figure in human history, and that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're not just going to look at his birth. As fascinating as the events that surround his birth are, we're going to sort of zoom out and we're going to learn about the significance of that child, why he matters. Who is he? So we're going to look at, so I'm, I'm going with the P's, okay? We're going to look at the person, the prophecy, the problem, the prophet, and the power. Those, five, those are our five sermons. The person. Who is he? Who was this person born in a manger? Who do you say he is? We're going to look at the prophecy, the expectation, everything that the Old Testament has said about him, about his coming, and all the ways that he fulfilled every single one of them. So the person, the prophecy. We're going to look at the problem. The problem is this. Was Jesus a liar? Was he crazy? Or was he Lord? Liar, you've heard this, the trifecta. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Who is Jesus? That's the problem that we've got to solve. We're going to look at the prophet, his role as prophet, priest, and king, and his great privilege. And finally, we're going to look at the power of Christ. The power of Christ is not simply in his birth. It's in his resurrection for which he was born. See, the power that that brings, and hopefully by the end, you'll get a picture of the, the magnitude of the importance of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to begin with a prelude, however. Right at the dawn of time, as Adam and Eve are introduced into this world, all the ensuing death which is in and around us, is also introduced. And Genesis chapter 3 records the fall and the, and the subsequent curse of sin against God. There is a promise made in that curse of a babe who we, we would come to be, who we would come to know as fulfilled by the babe in the manger, fulfilling that promise. Jesus Christ is the seed of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Not too long ago, my family um, and I decided to erect a, a large bird feeder right in front of our bay window. So if you've ever driven by our house, those of you um, who know where we live, we have this, bi this big bay window right in the front of our house, and we wanted to put a big bird feeder right in front of it. And it gives us this sort of wide... Do we have any bird fans here? Um, and I've gotten to really love and enjoy like learning about birds and the different kinds of birds they're beautiful anyway so we, we erect this bird feeder and um, it gives us this wide and bright access to all these varied varied kinds of birds that just love um, feasting on these little seeds that we put out for them every day um, we get finches and cardinals and morning doves Blue jays, crows, those are a little bit more annoying, but we get all of those birds that come to take our seeds away. And last year, um, or the year prior, I forget which, we planted a sunflower on the side of our house in this little garden bed that we had. And we watched it grow taller and taller and just anticipating it to bloom. You know sunflowers get really tall. But coinciding with the growth of that sunflower, we planned this, we manufactured it, we took care of it. Um, at the same time, another flower is sort of growing on its own that we didn't even decide to plant. We didn't even know was there. And it was right near that bird feeder, almost at its base. And as the weeks went on, this plant, the one that we didn't plan, started growing and growing and growing much taller than the one we planted. We didn't take care of that other one at all. 
but we, and we took great care of the other one. That other plant just grew and grew and grew. And as it grew, we realized this is also a sunflower. We started being, being able to identify what kind of flower it was as it grew. We hadn't planted it. It's likely that some bird probably in its, in, in its journey to feast off of our seeds maybe had a seed in its beak or, or something else and, and dropped it right in the front of our house. This sunflower, eventually in full bloom, was higher and brighter and beautiful, more beautiful than the one that we had planted. And this is the, just the amazing sort of um, views that we get in the beautiful world that God has given us. Isn't that true? It was gorgeous. You know what a seed is? A seed is an embryonic plant. Uh, in human anatomy, an embryo is an unborn or unhatched offspring in the process of development. That's what an embryo is. In botany, it's the part of the seed that develops into the plant later on. Friends, in the midst of human trouble and chaos, God promises redemption through a seed. Did you notice that? <clears throat> An unhatched offspring of a promise, but it's there, it's present, it's ready. It's ready to be given birth to. So in the midst of this human trouble and chaos, God promises makes this great promise to crush wickedness around us through a seed. Not an immediate champion, but someone that was to come. A seed that he would plant, a seed that God would care for, water and nurture. Because he's a better gardener than us, isn't he? This gardener is competent. He's focused. This, this gardener doesn't change his mind. He can't be resisted by the elements, and he always finishes what he starts, always. So God the Father makes a promise. I am going to crush this chaos that you started with your sin, and I'm going to complete it, and I'm going to rescue you. Friends, the story of Christmas marks the beginning of the greatest story ever told. The manger where Christ was laid that babe in that manger is the blooming of the seed promise planted long ago through Adam, and Christ launched the greatest rescue mission ever known to man. That's who Jesus is. This flower, who is Christ, is the solution to your problem. You say, what is my problem? I don't, I don't know how you would answer that question. Your problem might be that you, you might say, well, it's, I'm, I'm out of work, or I don't have enough money, or I lost a mom or a dad. And oh, how great those problems are. But friends, might I introduce you to the possibility that your greatest problem is none of those things. Your greatest problem is that without Christ, you are far from the Father, cut off from his love and pleasure. That death will always be on your back until you're forgiven of your sin in Christ. Oh, and that's the message of Christmas. God, in his infinite love, planned a rescue, and he planted a seed in the womb of Eve. The Savior seed was first announced and promised in the third chapter of Genesis, immediately after sin and the curse of sin entered the world. That's the first promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and hers. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
Friends, in this short verse, we see the sad commentary of human history. Enmity. I will put enmity. Friends, there is enmity that we have between each of us. Isn't that true? We fight each other. We get mad at each other for not doing what we want each other to do. Not thinking how we think. There's even enmity in ourselves. Isn't that true? We can't even keep our own head straight. Rock, write that song, rocks in our head. We fight with ourselves. We don't even know what to make of us. There is enmity in this world between each of you, between creation, and even between us and Satan, the fallen world. In the short verse, we see this, but we see a great hope. The seed will conquer the serpent. He will crush his head. Through the seed of Eve, the curse of sin will be defeated. That monkey on your back, that thing that's crushing you, will be crushed by the Savior Jesus Christ. He'll take it off your back and defeat it. Don't you want that? The seed offspring of Eve would defeat the curse of our sin. That's who Christ is. That's the seed. Eve would begin to have children. God makes this promise. Genesis chapter 3. The first time that we see the promise of a Savior. Right here. It's the very first place. God makes this promise to Eve that in your seed, in your offspring, will come a Savior, a champion, a conqueror. So Eve would begin to have children, and down through her lineage, that promise of redemption would be carried through, almost like a relay race, from Eve next to Shem. You know who Shem is? Not the, not the third stooge, right? Was it Shem? Some people prefer Curly. I know they decided to switch the third stooge every now and then with someone else. That's not how we're talking. Genesis 9 shows us that this promised deliverer would not come through Ham or Japheth. These are the three sons of Noah. But Shem. In Shem is the embryonic savior. The promise made to Eve is delivered then to Shem. In Genesis chapter 9, when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So in this promise here, we have the continuing um, promise that God would provide a savior through the seed of Eve, then to Shem. Shem's descendants would eventually father Abram, to whom God would then pass this promise through Abraham. God's seed continues to go on being, prom um, being promised to Abraham because our God, who doesn't lie, and does, neither does he change his mind, keeps his word. So it goes from Eve to Shem and then to Abraham. And you can see on the screen, we'll read Genesis chapter 12, Verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, this is what he says, Go from your country. If you could switch to that slide, I'd love for them to be able to read this. That would be great. Thank you. We're on number 3. There you go. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, very important there, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
So God is continuing this promise from Eve to Shem, now to Abraham. In you, that is in your seed, your descendants are going to be a blessing to all the earth. So we, we don't really know too much about what he's going to do, how he's going to be a blessing. How is this seed going to crush Satan? We don't really know that yet, but the Bible will unpack that as it continues on. The promise of God, though, is not forgotten. God didn't forget, oops, that's right, I made a promise to Eve that I was going to save humanity. He did not forget, and he is not slow. The seed of Genesis 3 continues. God the Father escorts that promise down the corridors of time by his own sovereign determination to, to save us and to be, our prom, to be a promise keeper. Genesis chapter 15, it says this. It would continue. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. That's Abraham. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then in Genesis 17, this is who your, what your son's going to do. And kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me, be, between me and you and your offspring after you for an everlasting covenant. So now we know that the promise made to Eve is an everlasting promise. It's, it's not a victory that he won, wins once, and then all of a sudden he's got to do it again and again. You see, it's, it's a victory that is one time and permanent, an everlasting covenant to, to bring a Savior who will perpetually save us. Isn't that great news? So Abraham, the Bible says, believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Friend, do you believe God, that Jesus Christ is the Savior? Abraham believed God, and from Abraham, this promise continued to pass down through the corridors of time. But first, it made a pit stop with Isaac and Jacob. Genesis chapter 17, the promise is then made to Isaac. God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. That would be Isaac. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish this covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And then Jacob, in Genesis chapter 25, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from, with, from within you shall be divided the one shall be the stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger, referring to Jacob. So in other words, this promise given to Isaac is carried on through Jacob. And then, fifthly, it's carried on through Judah. You know, you know Jacob had 12 sons? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Ashtar, Naphtali, Joseph, and Benjamin. Right? Thank you. And you know why I know that? I'm, I'm, it's not seminary. It is the big picture storybook Bible that I read to my kids all the time. It's in my head because of that. So I should have saved $20,000 and just read that book to my kids more. Jacob um, has 12 sons. This promise that the, the blessing, the, the, the head crusher, is going to come through Jacob now comes through Judah. What do we call Jesus, by the way? The Lion of Judah. You see, that's significant. There's a reason that's important. The reason that's important is because the Savior has to come from Judah. Right? And here's why. Jacob has 12 sons, and the great architect of human history, God our Father, and the Savior of humankind, he holds this promise, and he passes it on to Judah. And in Judah is the embryo of Jesus Christ. 
the Savior, the fulfillment of that promise. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. The seed shall crush your head, right? The obedience of the people he conquers. The ruler's staff here is referring to royal power. So the seed of Eve is not just a savior, he's a king. Shiloh, Shiloh we saw that, 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 um, that title of this coming savior is Shiloh in Genesis 49.10, is the messianic title for the deliverer. So now it's referring to a savior, someone who saves us from the curse of sin. Shiloh's the messianic title for the deliverer of, e of Israel. He's the seed. The promised one of Genesis chapter 3. Do you see the flow now of the Old Testament? What's happening throughout the Old Testament? There's, there's a story that's all connected. And it's all connected to this person, this seed, this savior. It all revolves around him. Judah then becomes the royal line for all future kings in Israel. King David, King Solomon, all of them come from Judah including, by the way, the promise of a king to come whose throne will never end and whose throne is heaven and earth. So this promise goes from Eve to Shem to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah. But there's another stop along the way. Do you know who, you know who this, the seed stops on first? King David. Second Samuel chapter 7, When your days are fulfilled, I will raise up your offspring after you, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. This is going to be a familiar one to you. For unto us today a child is born. To us is a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Mighty God. We're talking about more than just a baby now. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So we're talking about heaven now. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see the unfolding drama of redemption happening all throughout the Old Testament and Scripture? God makes a promise right after Adam and Eve fall. And that promise is upheld and maintained all the way up until David, a millennia after. The zeal of the Lord... The one who doesn't lie, he holds the hand of this promise, this seed, until the everlasting king arrives. And he will not drop it. He, will, he won't forget it. This world has not been forgotten by our promise keeper, our God, because our king is coming. God promised an eternal kingdom and king for David that would be ruled by the Isaiah child, the same seed of Eve in Genesis chapter 3. He is the one that's going to be born as a child. So now we know this conqueror, the one who crushes Satan, who ends the curse, is going to be born a child. But he's also going to be God. Right? 
He's born a child who is in fact, and the reason we know this is because Isaiah tells us, mighty God, everlasting Father, who will rule the earth as king in peace. Friends, here's that seed from, from, from Eve to Shem to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to David. Oh, but where was it left? Years later, an angel appears to a young woman named Mary, a betrothed virgin. And this is what this angel says. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you. Greetings, O favored one Mary, because you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Savior. He will be great. What does it sound like? And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. You see, all these names that we sort of trip over from time to time when we read the story, what's the relevance? Who cares about Jacob and David and all these people that are sort of in there? The, the reason it matters is because it marks the faithfulness of God's promise. It reminds us that God is the one who has decided to save us, and it shows us how he is intended to do it. It's not the son of Don, right? It's not the son of Barbara. It's not whoever we want it to be. The Savior is the one who Christ, who God has ordained to be his Christ. Amen? He's Savior. He is Lord. And to him we bow. And if we don't, we remain under the curse of sin and the brokenness will break us even further. Oh, friends, at long last, the seed has arrived. He's come. The Prince of Heaven came in the form of a baby, that curse crusher, that head smasher, right? Jesus Christ has arrived. Paul confirms this in Galatians chapter 3, by the way, in the New Testament. He writes this in verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. It does not say, and to seeds, plural. It doesn't say that the, sa the Savior is many, in other words. That it's whoever we want it to be. It's not plural. There is one Savior. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. It does not say into seeds, referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is Christ. Do you see the great promise fulfilled by God that day when that angel announced to Mary who she would be carrying? The victorious and conquering seed of Eve has come. And he's got ten small toes and ten small fingers. He was delivered by angels through the power of God's spirit. And he was escorted down the corridor of time by the unchanging promise of God. He has arrived. Good news? Luke chapter 3, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Watch this. Being the son of David, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Adam, the son of God. 
Weep no more, John says in Revelation chapter 5. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> Weep no more because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the root of David, has conquered. He wins. And how did he conquer? He conquered through his death, burial, and resurrection. All of the, the justice of God for all of our sin was poured on him and not us. He went into the grave and came out alive, the conqueror, so that we could come out alive too. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of peace. And friends, that is the story of Christmas. What a great thing to be thankful for. I hope on Thursday, when you're cutting turkey, you would remember this. That you would sing, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. The promised seed has overcome. And friends, that's what Christmas is all about. So what are you afraid of? I hope this morning the things that you fear have begun to shrink. And one more note before I close. As the seed of Christ passed from Eve to Abraham to David and so on, it passes now through us. Because you who are believers of Jesus Christ have been born of a new seed born again and the Holy Spirit of God the Spirit of Christ now lives in you isn't that great news do you know who you are do you know your worth and your value your purpose oh friends I hope that you do let's pray dear Heavenly Father we come to you this morning and we ask for you to open our eyes and give us life and light Help us to see this wonderful news. Help us, help it to dry our tears. Help, us to, help it to give our broken hearts hope. And God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that they would see now for the first time that our sins separated us from you. And the curse of sin came on us, but you made a promise at the very beginning of time to bring a Savior. And you were faithful to that promise. Jesus died. Jesus was born. The son of David died for our sin, rose again, and is coming quickly to take back what's his. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that that's our hope. No one votes for this. There's not disputes. There's no recount needed. Because Jesus is alive, and he is our king. God, we thank you, Lord, for this. And friends, if you don't know Jesus, put your faith in him right now. Cry out to God in prayer. God, save me. I'm a sinner. I want to be in your presence. I want to know your love. I believe that Jesus Christ is the promised son of God, the sacrifice, the sinner, the, the, the sacrifice for sin and the king. That he rose again so that I could too. Oh, friend, if that's you, Welcome to the family of God. Rejoice with us. Tell us. And God, for the rest of us, help us to remember that when we gather, we gather for this purpose, to know that as your body, we await our head in his glorious return. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, friends, we are going to take communion. Um, I, I trust that you received the elements already.